Bidzy Small Business Society number 192. You're listening to Bidzy Small Business Society. I'm Rob Barisoff. We talk to small business owners about what makes their small business successful. Connect with Bidzy Small Business Society at bidzy.com and grow your business. Hey guys, quick message to let you know I've teamed up with Audible and I wanted to give you the opportunity to try their platform free for 30 days. And along with that 30-day free trial is a free audiobook download from a library of over 180,000 titles. I recently listened to Tim Ferriss's 4-Hour Workweek and you'll find other audiobooks from great entrepreneurs like Gary Vee, Grant Cardone, Robert Kiyosaki, as well as tons of other nonfiction and fiction authors. Go to audibletrial.com forward slash bidsy, B-I-D-S-Y. Try it free for 30 days. There's no obligation. You've got nothing to lose and a free audiobook download to gain. That's at audibletrial.com forward slash bidsy. Bidsy.com is the website that connects customers and respected local businesses. Customers list goods or services they need and businesses bid on them. Customers, if you're looking for a service provider or a local professional, go to Bidzy.com and post your projects for free. Businesses, if you're looking for new customers or a way to expand your customer base, sign up for your 30-day free trial today at Bidzy.com. Thanks for listening to this episode of Bidzy Small Business Society. With me today is Tim Sinclair. Tim is the CEO at Ringer, that's R-I-N-G-R, which is an app that allows you to record a conversation with anyone, anywhere in the world, on any device, and sound like you are both in the same room. Tim's Ringer journey started with an idea over lunch, and after several months of R&D, he jumped full-time into making his entrepreneurial dream and the world's best interview sound quality a reality. I hope he doesn't somehow sabotage the sound quality of today's interview, forcing me to buy his product. (laughs) Welcome, Tim. Thanks for making some time for the Small Business Society today. Can you first tell us more about yourself, then about what projects you're working on today? Well, uh, first of all, it's an honor to, to join you today. Thanks for uh, for the offer. I appreciate it, and I promise I will not sabotage a thing. Uh, hopefully, <laughs> the product long-term will speak for itself. Uh, I spent uh, close to 18 years working in radio, uh, primarily on the air, doing morning shows. I was in the production room a while, voiceover work, things like that, and really just got frustrated long-term with how remote interviews sounded. In the radio world, uh, it was almost exclusively phone and it sounded like every single person we talked to was on the moon or in a tin can or in a sewer somewhere, and it just wasn't acceptable. And so I set out eventually to start coming up with ideas on how we could uh, create something that used technology in our favor. Everybody has a device somewhere, whether it's their phone, their tablet, their computer, that has a decent microphone on it and a hard drive recorder, and uh, we just try to figure out, okay, how can we use that technology ultimately to solve this problem. And uh, Ringer was where we landed and we're by no means done, but we think we've made some some really good strides toward solving what's been a, a pretty global issue for podcasters and broadcasters and, and anyone who's trying to record remote audio. 
Yep, absolutely. Now take us back to that restaurant, Tim, when you first thought of Ringer. What did you see as an opportunity to launch that business that helps people with interview sound quality? Like were you just sick of listening to bad podcasts or was your own self-serving need in broadcasting? Or Yeah, it was purely self-serving. I'll be completely honest. Um, I, <laughs> I tell many people that I accidentally started a company in the process of all this. Um, I uh, had a friend of mine who was an artist who we played on our radio station and one day I wanted to do an interview with him, but I didn't want it to be done over the phone because we were going to use it in a number of different contexts. And I thought just phone audio over and over and over again is going to get old. So I sent him a list of questions via email and I said, open up voice memos on your iPhone, record the answers and send it back to me. And we'll see if we can get a little bit better sound quality that way. And he did. And with just a, a light amount of compression playing it back on the air, you never would have known that he wasn't sitting in the studio with us. And so I began to think, well, if we can get his phone to record him while we're talking, then that would allow us to do sort of a real time back and forth interview that we at least got his side recorded really, really well. And then I thought, well, if we can get his phone to do that, why couldn't we get our side to do the same thing? And then we'll just put the two pieces together later. And so that was really the uh, idea that started Ringer. Uh, but it took two or three years for me to even find anybody who wanted to approach the project. Because while it's a simple concept, it's very complex, technologically speaking. And uh, I came across the right people at the right time in that lunch meeting you referred to with a friend of mine. And we were just sitting down to talk. And he goes, I know some people who can do this. And uh, that really got the ball going. Sure. So let's clarify, like the technological advancements, that's not for your end user. Like this has got to be pretty simple for me to use as a podcaster or, uh, you know, say if you were using your product right now, it's going to be easy for you to install on your device. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, we uh, the, the complexity it comes on the back end that nobody sees of course. Uh, on the front end. Uh, we say we want to make it simple enough for uh, the basement podcaster, but high enough quality for a New York City broadcaster. Uh, and, and if we can fulfill both of those requirements, then I think we really have something. Yep. Great stuff. Yeah. So is, is this a fairly, you're pretty new. Was it 2012, Tim? Like why did this take so long for somebody to recognize this need? Well, I think people have known the need for a long time. Uh, that's why the tape sync and, um, some other strategies to, to kind of do this same thing in a manual fashion have been going on for years and years where two people would sit in studios in different parts of the country and they would talk on the telephone and then they would record into their studio mic and then one person would FedEx their reel to the other person and they'd layer them on top of each other. I mean, <laughs> these things have been happening, um, but no one was able to automate the process. And I, I yeah, think, that sounds like a logistical nightmare. Oh, yeah. gosh. And, and we've heard even recent stories about people sending out iPads to record and, it, you know, via FedEx. And it's, it, it's just a mess. Um, but technologically speaking, I think most phones and most networks simply were not able to handle everything that they need to handle in order to pull this off. We're asking devices to do a number of things at one time. One, they're connecting on voice over IP, like you would with Skype or FaceTime or Zoom or anything else. But we're also asking them to record locally while that's happening at the same time. And while most computers that are hardwired into a network can pull that off, uh, on the mobile side, uh, that hasn't been the case at all. 
And so we wanted to create something that would work on 3G or 4G as well as Wi-Fi. We wanted it to be mobile as well as desktop and laptop. And so just to get to that spot, uh, the hardware and the networks really just started to catch up to that point in, in the last few years. Hmm. Yeah, I've done this exact thing that we're doing now uh, with people on their mobile devices. And yeah, let me tell you, man, the sound quality takes a huge nosedive, often unsalvageable content, man. So yeah, now it's great that you found a solution. I can't wait to dive into the trial now. Let me talk about this. You're enjoying success, Tim, but it likely wasn't always that way. I want you to talk about your biggest challenge in business or otherwise, but what sticks out in your mind as your biggest challenge? And here we're looking for some of the actionable steps that you took to really embrace and overcome that challenge. Yeah, it's it's hard to narrow it down to one. And while I, I certainly appreciate people's um, assumptions that uh, there's success now, and I think we've had lots of successes um, every single day, I call it exhilarating terror, where <laughs> I'm having a lot of fun. Uh, we're doing a lot of cool things, working with a lot of cool people, and yet I'm still terrified that you know the bottom's going to fall out and we're not going to have funding or customers or whatever. And I love so that, man. Exhilarating terror continues. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's a perfect description, and, and we're, we're always walking that tightrope of, of trying to learn from mistakes and uh, overcome issues and, and really keep pushing forward to, to creating something that's going to be beneficial. I think for me, the, the biggest challenge early on was how – how do I or do I at all make the jump from what I was doing full time and what I'd spent a career doing into this dream of, of starting Ringer and jumping into it full time? And for me, you know, I was in radio for 18 years. We'd won awards. We had, you know, uh, more than half a million listeners every week and we're on 14 stations or around the Midwest, three different states. And, and we're really doing super, super well. Tough to just leave all that hard work in the dust, huh? Well, yeah, and especially when I, I feel like there's not a whole lot maybe in life that I do super well, uh, but that was something that uh, my co-host Pam and I did super well, and we had a great following, and, uh, and I worked at a great station in a great environment. And so for me, the biggest challenge was, do I take this risk of um, leaving that job, jumping into an unknown salary, an unknown time frame, all those kinds of things, or do I stay and do what's comfortable? And I've often said to people, I'd I'd rather um, fail at greatness than succeed at mediocrity. And so I kind of had to take my own advice and go, you know what? Uh, There's a chance for greatness here. There's also a huge chance for failure, like 95% or greater. (laughs) Um, But if, if I don't do it, if I don't make this jump, if I don't make this leap, then, then I'll never know. And I, I could always get back into radio later if I wanted. And uh, so finally, after six or seven months of being unpaid, trying to lead Ringer and trying to do radio full time, uh, decided to, to make that jump and, uh, and go to Ringer full time. Good, man. It sounds like you had that safety net, too. You kind of made a slower transition. Plus, I mean, you just have that skill set to fall back on, too. Right, Tim? Yeah. And then there's, you know, there's, obviously you can always take some solace in that. It's like, well, if, if all else fails, I could probably get another job doing what I had I had done. Um, but I, I think for me, the goal was, all right, let's see if this thing has legs. Let's do both at the same time for as long as I possibly can. And then at a certain point, I'll know when I have to make a decision. And for us, uh, we were accepted to uh, an accelerator in Cincinnati, Ohio in January of 2015. And so late 2014, I really had to decide, okay, if this is something we're serious about, if we're going to make a run at this, then 
I'm going to have to leave radio and, and move to Cincinnati for six months and, and put all my eggs in that basket. And so I made the drive in late December 2015 uh, with 88 cents in the Ringer Bank account and uh, went, you know what, um, we'll, we'll see what happens. And obviously, uh, you know, here a year and a half or more later, uh, things have been taken care of and we've been incredibly fortunate, uh, but it was certainly scary along the way. 88 cents in the business bank account, man. That is scary, dude. Now, talk about some of your rewards. Why is it so great to be Tim Sinclair? (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, you know, from the business perspective, um, you know, being the uh, to borrow a term from Seinfeld, the master of your own domain, uh, you know, <laughs> Great episode. You, you are responsible for your own success and your own failure and you can set your own schedule. And while there are days and weeks and months that you have to work super, super, super hard, you also, um, you know, when things with family come up or whatever, you're able to adjust. And so, um, I've been super fortunate to, to be able to, to live that for the last uh, two plus years, which has been fantastic. Um, and then it, it also has given me the freedom. My part-time job is doing public address announcing for sporting events. So um, having a schedule that I can set means that I can work uh, a lot of NCAA basketball and football games. All I can right. do some pro soccer and things like that. And, and that allows me to, to have fun and uh, really get paid to do a hobby that I love without feeling like I'm greatly inconveniencing my employer. Awesome. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's, I don't think it's any secret why people want to hear you, man. Your voice is intoxicating, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank I use it a lot. And, uh, man, I, I have uh, the best jobs in the world, I say, uh, quite often. And uh, I, I really believe that. I get I get paid to, to watch sports and get the best seat in the house, and they usually feed me. And so uh, it's not too bad a deal at all. Awesome, man. Now, let's talk about your clients. How are you getting people to find and use ringers? So, Here, I want you to help the up-and-coming entrepreneur understand a few things about gaining some traction in a crowded and noisy social media and marketing landscape. Yeah, for us, we've had a couple of ways that we've tried to to draw in customers, certainly in the early on phases, and we were in beta for most of our first year. Uh, I went to three or four very strategically chosen conferences for uh, broadcasting and podcasting. Um, we knew who our target was very, very clearly. We knew who was most likely to use us. And so we had to go find and and select, uh, based on the budget we had, a few places we could go to tell people about it. And so one of them was a conference from the radio industry where I really had spent the last 17 or 18 years. I knew a lot of people there. And so I went and just talked to as many people as I could. We had a little booth, uh, gave people a demo, helped them try it out, etc. cetera. Uh, and on the podcasting side, that wasn't really something I was super familiar with when we first started. Um, but we showed up at Podcast Movement and several others and just said, all right, this is what we're doing. Are people interested uh, to try to get feedback, to try to get some early users, et cetera? Uh, based on those few conferences, we got a number of individual users who signed up. We got an email database going, um, and we began to show up on the radar screen of some larger corporate-level clients, um, all of which to this point have come to us. I have not cold called a single corporate client yet. I'm sure that will happen. Um, but now we have American public media and national public radio. Uh, we have MTV news and a number of others, cranes business. And, uh, that have all found us because of word of mouth. 
And that's been super fantastic for us. And then the third thing uh, I think has been we've started some uh, Facebook and Twitter marketing to try to uh, go after groups of people who are obviously uh, very nuanced and you can you can find them fairly easily on, on social media platforms and uh, put an ad in front of them. We've spent very, very little on it, but are trying to start pushing people to our website, converting them into 30 day free trial users and ultimately into uh, to paid clients. So what are you saying to those people? This might be a self-serving question, Tim, but what do you say to those people who are using a free option like we are using right now or they don't want to fix what isn't broken, so to speak, or, you know, any of the other common objections that come up? How do you handle that and how do you sort of position your solution in the marketplace? Well, certainly I understand uh, it always feels like free is better than seven ninety nine a month or eighteen ninety nine a month, and, and every service out there is about that price point. <laughs> so you can get $8 to death very, very quickly, and, and so I get that. And I think I would argue with anyone who said maybe that the system isn't broken, uh, because if you've used uh, a phone interview or you've used Skype for an interview, everybody kind of rolls their eyes a little bit if you ask them that question, because uh we see those things as evil, but necessary evils in a lot of cases. And so we want to say, hey, for, for $8 a month or $18 a month, if you if you go for our, our higher end package, you could sound like every single interview. They were right there with you. That's a big deal. And most people start to see the system as perhaps a little more broken uh, than they had previously thought if they think of it that way. And, you know, for us, I was in broadcasting for a long, long time. And one of the things that our listeners look for in personalities is, is someone who's in the know, who has connections, who um, can bring them into interactions with people that they wouldn't be able to interact with or hear from otherwise. And if every one of those sounds like, you know, that person is on the phone in their living room, riding their exercise bike or in the drive through at Starbucks, not really paying attention to the interview, um, man, that sort of diminishes um, the the clout that a lot of broadcasters or podcasters have. But if it sounds like they're sitting right down there with you and so-and-so who's big in your industry made time to uh, come to where you are, even though they didn't, um, the sound of that is, is super important, I think, and really lends some legitimacy to, to what we're doing as broadcasters and podcasters. And uh, if anyone thinks that listeners don't care, uh, I think they're fooling themselves for the most part. Not That's not an across-the-board statement, but I think uh, that lends more to the, the quality and credibility of your podcast or your broadcast than some might expect. With more and more content flooding, especially the podcasting market, Tim, I think sound quality is going to start setting some people apart. I mean, it's a quality thing, right? Like people want a good sounding pro end product, right? Well, and everybody's trying to get better quality in everything we do. And for some reason, audio has been the one thing that has just sort of been left by the wayside. I mean, uh, we moved from fax machines to now scanning and emailing documents in the highest of quality. We, you know, SportsCenter spent millions to update their, their set because they wanted to, to offer HD. People are buying HD TVs and all these kinds of things. But when it comes to audio quality, we've always accepted uh, what we hear over the phone or what we hear over the radio with different interviews. And, and that's just, well, that's just how it is. And I guess our thought is, well, maybe it doesn't have to be that way.
Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, and I've said this many times, that the bar for sound quality on podcasting is set very low. But like you said, man, it does not have to be that way. Look, you got me sold. I do this five days a week. So you're telling me for less than a buck an episode, I can basically have somebody sitting beside me doing an interview, man. I'm on your site. I'm trying it. Um, I'm going to move on here, though. In your opinion, we did talk a little bit about social media earlier, Tim. But in your opinion, what is going to be the dominant social media platform in 12 to 24 months and why? Man, that's that's a tough because it feels like there, there's a new one every 12 to 24 months that pops up and everybody takes everybody's interest. You know, it was Facebook first and then and Twitter and then Instagram has gotten really big and Snapchat. And so I, there's probably going to be a new one in the next 12 to 24 months. But it really feels like at least in our industry, um, in the, the broadcast, podcast, news, sports kind of realm, um, that the Twitter is still uh, King, at least on, on transferring bits of information. And so we've, we've focused a lot of what we do there. It's super easy to find, uh, the people you're looking for. It's super easy to, to filter the content you want and the content you don't want. It doesn't require mutual follows and all that kind of stuff. Um, so I, I guess if I had to put money on it, I would say Twitter will probably still be King, but I would also, uh, put money on there being another one or two that are out there, uh, offering content that uh, probably don't even have their domain name purchased yet. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, Twitter is absolutely um, a great social network tool, but uh, obviously a very powerful search engine too, right? Well, sure. I mean, I, you know, it used to be when I was in radio, I, I would do news every morning and I would go to a number of different websites and, and sort of uh, coagulate all that stuff into one spot. And now, um, that I'm not in that day to day, I get most of my news from Twitter. Uh, sadly, sadly enough, I, it does a perfectly fine job for me. And uh, you know, I have I have no qualms with feeling like I've missed out because I probably get it faster there than anywhere else. Tim, let's dive a little further online. Which influencers do you follow online or otherwise for your own motivation and inspiration? Well, there are a number that I follow. I've for years paid attention to Seth Godin. Um, I've read his books before I ever got into the business world on my own. and was just a radio personality. I would uh, read his blogs and read his books, and I've always found him to be um, a thinker that I, I can relate to, uh, always trying to push the boundaries and um, think of things in different ways and never accepting the status quo. So I've certainly enjoyed uh, – all of his stuff. I can't think of anything I've ever read from Seth that I've gone, eh, that was okay. <laughs> most <laughs> most all of it is super challenging. Uh, Michael Hyatt uh, is another leader in, in he was in, in publishing for a long time, but now certainly in, in uh, technology and business is, is a guy that I've uh, followed as well. So those two are probably the, the primary two, but uh, Gary Vaynerchuk and a number of others, certainly uh, Chris Brogan, uh, pop up in my newsfeed quite often and uh, I'll read what they have to say. Yeah, I was going to say, I get Seth's blog every day. Great, great stuff. Uh, you know, whether it's short or long, man, it's always super engaging. And I feel like just, I, again, lights are going off on my head when I'm reading his stuff. It's great. Yeah, I, I would agree. I've, I've never not, not had to think a little harder when I read something from him. Yep. Now, let me make a shift here. Do you love to win or hate to lose and why? <laughs> um, you know, Gosh, I've, I've never really thought about the difference between the two, uh, but there is one. I would say I love to win. Um, I could probably answer this either way, but I will go with I love to win. And, and, and part of it is, I think, not because other people are losing. Like, I don't ever 
feel like I, I wish ill will on somebody else and I just want to beat somebody else for the sake of, of putting them down or making them feel like second place or whatever. Um, but I do appreciate validation of what I'm doing. And so whether it was in sports or in broadcasting or uh, in business now, I, I, there is definitely something empowering and um, helpful to me in my own psyche when I go, hey, I came out on top in this situation. Like uh, when we created Ringer, of course, there was this big question of will anybody use it? Is this a problem really in the industry or is this just some little thing that I'm trying to solve that I dealt with in my career? And when we're able to uh, you know, spark the interest of NPR and MTV and some others, um, that to me goes, hey, that's a validation of what we're doing. And so um, when it comes to winning, it's certainly not about anybody else losing, but it's definitely about uh, validation that what we're doing is on the right track. Yeah, having those A-listers validate that specific idea, man. Yeah, that's got to be. Uh, yeah, that's got to be very satisfying, of course. Now, Tim, what are you doing to wind down after a long or stressful day? Well, I, we mentioned it a little bit earlier, but my paid hobby is public address, and I love. I'm a huge sports fan, and so I like watching sports on TV and going to events. But um, I really, really enjoy, and it's relaxing to me to go work a sporting event. I, I do fighting Illini men's and women's basketball. I do some football for them and Illini soccer. And then I do the Chicago fire, uh, in the MLS, uh, soccer league in, in Chicago. And so, um, those things, uh, are, are hobbies of mine. Yes, I get paid to do them and it's kind of a cushy job, I'll admit. Um, but that's really how I sort of kick back and, and relax in addition to just, you know, hanging out at home and uh, going for walks with my wife or throwing the football in the backyard of the boys. Uh, all of those things I'd probably put in that category. Now, boil this thing down for us, Tim. What is the one piece of advice you want to leave with our listeners about turning their ideas into reality and just going for that entrepreneurial dream like you did? Um, I, I, I wish I had like a, a quick one bullet point on how to do it. But I, I would say this, work at it uh, on your own until you feel like you've got something and then bring people along with you who can help. Uh, for, for so long, uh, I was entrepreneurial, but I was never an entrepreneur, meaning uh, I had lots of great ideas, but I always tried to pull them off on my own and see if I could uh, do something that was kind of cool, but never brought anybody else along for the ride. And, and I think uh, for any great idea, if it's worth doing, uh, bringing other people along who are better than you at certain aspects of whatever it is you're trying to do is, is a huge piece of the puzzle. And for Ringer, finally, I was like, you know what? I, I can't pay for this. I can't do the, the technology piece. I can't program anything to save my life. Uh, so I need people who can who can come along and help me with those things. Uh, I think I can lead. I can speak. I can raise money. I can uh, find customers and clients. But but those things I can't do. And so I went and found people who were amazing at what they do in, in business, in uh, fundraising, in uh, programming, working with audio, and brought them onto the team and just said, here's the vision. Here's what I want to do. Can you help? And that is what made all the difference in the world. And so for anybody else who's thinking about that, man, don't be a a Lone Ranger or a Maverick in this. Um, yes, I am a sole founder of the company, but I by no means did it by myself. And uh, I think that's just a, a huge, huge key. Tim, just a testament to surrounding yourself with that powerful team, creating that network, you know, some people to bounce ideas off of and find people to complement your strengths, right? 
Yeah, and, and with a you know a venture backed business, um, you know you might not have the money to pay them right away, but you do have ownership in the company that you can pay them with. And if you set a vision that uh, is big enough and uh, people can buy into that vision, uh, ownership in in something they believe in is super valuable. And so we've been able to bring a lot of key people on board simply with that message, and uh, I think it's worked really really well for us. Good stuff, man. Great story. Now, if people want to learn more about you, more about Ringer, more about your business, and how they can sign up for their 30-day free trial, Tim, how can they connect? Uh, Personally, I'm at Tim J. Sinclair on pretty much all the social media sites, so you can connect with me that way. My email address is tim at ringer.com. You spelled it earlier, but it's R-I-N-G-R.com. And uh, you can find out more about the company. You can Sign up for our 30-day free trial and uh, test it all out by going to ringr.com. We're available on uh, iOS and Android, and we have a web-based um, solution as well. So once you sign up, you'll be able to direct yourself to any of those things you want to use and, uh, and go from there. Great stuff, man. Powerful tools for podcasters like myself, broadcasters like you, Tim. This has been great. Thank you for taking the time to join us today on Bidzy Small Business Society. You take care. Thank you, Rob. Appreciate it. Looking for more great audio content? Go to audibletrial.com forward slash Bidzy for a free audiobook download and access to a library of over 180,000 titles. Again, that's audibletrial.com forward slash Bidzy. Thank you for joining us today on Bidzy Small Business Society. Go to Bidzy.com for information and resources on how you can grow your business. Support Bidzy Small Business Society by writing a review and giving us a five-star rating in iTunes. Your positive review and five-star rating will allow us to continue bringing you free, valuable content from amazing and inspiring entrepreneurs and small business owners. Rate and review Bidzy Small Business Society today. 